Welcome back to the Fangirl Forum. I'm your host, Meredith Loftus, aka your friendly neighborhood fangirl. This weekend, Once Upon a Time turns 10 years old. With this milestone right around the corner, I've spent the past couple of episodes looking back at my time with the series and the fandom with my fellow fangirls. Today, we cross over the halfway mark of this miniseries, and I will be taking another deep dive into a different area of the fandom. Before we traverse into the cursed areas of the Enchanted Forest, a few disclaimers. First, for listeners who have never watched Once Upon a Time, there will be some spoilers ahead about different plot points and character relationships. Again, the point of these episodes is more to highlight the online fandom, not a critical deep dive on the series. But still, this is your official spoiler alert! Second, for listeners who have watched Once Upon a Time, as you know, the show was made up of many different characters with all sorts of ships within that. My experience of the series was heavily based on my involvement with the Captain Swan fandom, and so my guests are also coming from that side of the fandom. This episode in particular highlights different drama between different shipping groups, so naturally this will be a bit biased towards Captain Swan. If you're a Rumbell, Snowing, Outlaw Queen, or Swan Queen shipper, please know that your time with the fandom drama isn't invalid. Third, this episode is heavy. I'm going to be looking at toxic parts of this fandom, so I want to issue a trigger warning for mentions of gaslighting, stalking, and potential self-harm. Lastly, if you haven't listened to part one or part two, please go back and listen to them before starting this one. Okay, I think that's everything. As always, I'm not alone. Once again, I'm joined by my friends and fellow oncers. We have nerdy girl notes herself, Katie. Hi, everyone. And we have Geesini Sophia, head of Marvelous Geeks. Hello. Hi. The girly nerd, Marianne. Great to see you again. Lizzie from Fangirlish. Hi. Your money geeks, Maggie. Hey. Thanks so much for having me. Temple of Geeks, Maddie. Thank you for having me. Representing the Brazilian Oncers, Manuela. Thank you for inviting me. I have the Rizzo sisters, Lena and Marisa. Hello, everybody. (laughs) And I also have my dear uh, British (laughs) J-Mo representing the British Wantsers, Philippa. Hi. And last but not least, my friend Laura. Hey. And with that, let's return to Storybrooke for part three. Evil isn't born, it's made. Across every fandom that's ever existed, there are the good parts and there are the bad parts. This seems obvious. Like, Meredith, we know this. This is Fandom 101. Why are you saying this? Well, because when I joined the Once Upon a Time fandom, I didn't think a series about hope, fairy tales, and happy endings could bring out the absolute worst in people. But maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let me start with a simple question. Describe a bad day in fandom. Okay. So much like the good day, the bad day depends on 
who you are shipping and who so now they didn't kiss now they broke up or goodness forbid uh somebody died in you know your your favorite character just died um i think all of us kind of went through that shoot once upon a time was up and down man <laughs> um so one of your favorite character died or or something happened that you didn't like um so it was a bad day and you would know about it and you would go online you're just like raging i'm writing in all caps and everyone's pissed and you're messaging everyone so you just see that i can't believe i hate this and instead of that whole week where you're re-watching the scenes you're like i can't i can't even look at this and or something's very sad happened and you're like just very sad and you're heartbroken and it's almost like if a character did die you're almost grieving it's yeah it was definitely tense and you definitely felt it good thank goodness for sometimes behind the scenes when you would know they're coming back but goodness gracious were people um very sad being put down um or told that i was not a real fan of the show because of fill in the blank um because i didn't agree with a ship that someone else had or because um you know i hadn't been to a taping of the show um and you know i'm sorry i live in california and they tape in canada <laughs> um you know so those were definitely times where like it it, it got it was bad i think a bad day would be People call you names and saying you were, you know, racist or homophobic, things like that, that people don't really know you, like how they can like judge you or say awful things and say you should kill yourself, things like that. I People were like tweeting me that, things like mm -hmm. that, you know, so just because I like a certain couple and I was called names sometime was really awful and I felt really you know I was I, I I think I trying you know in my life I'm not perfect but I really try to be a good person you know even before I was all in the fandom during season three I started exploring some of the once upon a time tags on Twitter at this point in the series, there was a love triangle between Emma Swan, the main character, her first love, Neil, who also happens to be Henry's father, and her new love interest, Captain Hook. Now, I had known about love triangles before. This wasn't my first rodeo. But as the only one of my friend group who was into Emma and Killian getting together, I wanted to see if others felt the same way that I did. So I lurked online, just seeing what I could find. And I found an intense division between Captain Swan and Swanfire shippers with particularly strong feelings against Neil. That's when that started to happen and Swanfire and Captain Swan. And I was like, I'm just gonna back my Captain Swan butt out of here and not, yeah, not like, make anyone mad like 
I will be honest though, you asked Marisa when I'm watching an episode and Neil came on and he was trying to sway Emma, I was like, get out of here. <laughs> and no. we were just rewatching it recently and just like, I don't know, just the way that like he like dressed or something made him kind of look like a bum. I, I, I think that was when we first saw toxicity online but like that was like our first time seeing it because like we never like saw like a ship war before and we were like oh this is getting heated because I have to tell you in season three I was like who is this hook guy bring back Neil uh, <laughs> so maybe we would never have ended up friends obviously by the end of three I was like full-on Captain Swan for life but you know maybe if I'd been like tweeting through that and you'd had to like watch me transition through oh guys Neil's her past hook is her future you might you might not have been friends with me Neil remains to this day one of my most disliked characters like in all of fiction like if you make me list right now it's like this like in general fiction all the tv shows I've watched he is like like I just like him more than Rumpel and I recognize that that is not fair because Rumpel is more of a villain Rumble did worse things. I just dislike Neil more. So that was probably why Captain's one was so easy for me because when the other option was Neil, I was like, no, anyone you bring in now is a better option. And then there was like other petty stuff like Neil. <laughs> and I know that I, <laughs> I started a fight <laughs> that is still talked about, um, but it wasn't actually me. It was my mother who inspired it. She told me I should make a party hat when Neil died. And because <laughs> she didn't like Balefire. Well, she liked the kid. Kid was fine. But Neil, she did not like because of the whole like abandoning your pregnant girlfriend and her going to jail and you just like running off. It didn't sit right with her. <laughs> uh, and so she was like, you are really good at making graphics. You should make a Neil, Neil is dead <laughs> party hat. So I did. And she cut it out and she like rolled it up and made a little party hat and she wore it. And I posted a picture of it on Tumblr and <laughs> it caused a lot of drama <laughs> because obviously Rumble fans were Rumpel fans who by extension were fans of Rumpel's child. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've actually heard this recently talked about like, oh, did you hear that person who made that party hat? And I was like, no, it was me. <laughs> It was me. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> um, Does that come up in normal conversation? <laughs> we were talking about like weird things that people in fandom have done. And somebody was like, yeah, there was this person in like the Once Upon a Time fandom that like made a party hat when a character died. And it like, <laughs> and I was like, mm, was it Neil? Because <laughs> it might have been me. There's like no nuance in fandom when things are happening, but there's a certain elation, like when you've been bullied by half, actually it was like three fourths of the fandom. Cause like for a period of time, nobody liked Captain Swan except for Captain Swan shippers. And oh, yeah. <laughs> it was bad. Um, like you're being kicked out of the once upon a time fandom. You're not allowed to post in the once upon a time tag. Uh, if you have Captain Swan, don't interact. Like all the stuff, which still happens in fandom for other ships. And I'm like, we don't need to go back there. Um, but when you've been bullied so much and then your ship finally happens and like, I never really considered Neil an obstacle. Um, but when the presumed obstacle kicks the bucket, <laughs> There's a certain amount of like, oh, that's so sad. Anyways, um, <laughs> that Loki gif of him being like, oh, that's sad. Anyways, um, 
I took great pleasure in that. I got to admit, it could be a lot of fun engaging in this type of shenanigans, especially if it was meant as a joke. Shipping was fun. None of these characters were real. It was fun to poke around at other ships. We all saw the show in a different way through these ships, and that's what made it great. I just want to kind of point out the fact that like, yes, you're Captain Swan shippers and all of that. Maybe we didn't like, uh, like Neil as much or this person as much, but the fact that we didn't go to Twitter and be like vocal, about vocal it. and ruthless. Yeah. Like, we were vocal, like saying like, I love Captain Swan or this, right? Mm -hmm. We weren't ruthless, but like, I wouldn't like seek out swan fire shippers or swan queen shippers or anything like that to be like mine is superior like no, it was like it was talking about what you love not not hating on something that anybody else loved it was kind of like everybody gets to see the story there one thing i love about it is everybody gets to see the story their own way and that's why people love it because they it, it clicks something in people that it's like oh like now i feel like i understand myself better i feel like i understand the world better like all these things and if if you see that in a different way like go for it I'm not gonna stop your enjoyment of, of how you see that just because it's not how I see it but also don't come for me for how I see it <laughs> once upon a time was built on all these different romantic relationships at one point there were four main canon couples driving the main plot Snow and Charming Rumpelstiltskin and Belle Emma and Killian and Regina and Robin even though Captain Swan was my favorite, I still rooted for these other couples too. In fact, my profile picture on my fan account featured all four of these couples. But not all Captain Swan shippers felt that way. It had to be them or nothing. I, I was a multi-shipper. I mean, that was like, that was what I had always known. Um, you know, I, I think the only fandom before that that I really was involved with was the Star Wars fandom as a child and like Star Wars fandom is full of crack ships. That's like basically how it's, it's fueled itself over the years. And then suddenly the Captain Swan fandom was so, you must only ship Captain Swan. If you ship anything else, we will ostracize you. And I let that, I let that mentality get to me. And now I'm like, I ship everything. Like within reason, obviously, but like, I'm willing to ship anything like, yeah, that seems legit. I, I could see that. Yeah, I'd read the fic. There were people who, like, would tell me that one ship was better than another. Um, and, you know, I'd try to be respectful and I'd say, okay, well, that's, like, how you feel and that's great. Um, but, like, I adored the idea that Regina got her happy ending with Robin Hood and still bitter about what they did to him in the show. Um, but, um, you know, I personally loved their relationship more than I loved Captain Hook and Emma, mostly because I knew Captain Hook and Emma were going to end up being like endgame. Like she's the main character. He's clearly moved his way into being one of the main characters as well in her life, you know, they did, they had the whole back and forth. Will they, won't they, will they, won't they? I was like, all right, it's obvious that these two are going to end up together. Robin Hood and Regina, not so obvious. Maybe I just love a good underdog story too. Like, 
you know, and the whole, you know, villain redemption, you know, I would get told that, you know, I'm wrong. I'm like, how am I wrong for having this opinion? Like, it's a TV show, these characters are not real, you know, and, you know, then you had the people who shipped Regina and Emma. And I was like, okay, great. Like, that's awesome. But they were so, they would get so angry with, you know, people who didn't agree with them, you know, with their ships or didn't like their ships as much as, you know, they wanted you to, that it just got exhausting, you know? And so I just stopped talking about them because it, it was just, I felt like it was doing more harm than good to my enjoyment of the show. Confession. I'm a recovering people pleaser. I think I will always struggle with the desire to fit in and be liked by everyone. I know it's not feasible, but my first instinct is to always try to fit in. And I did the same thing in the Once Upon a Time fandom. I wanted to be considered a real fan. And maybe because of it, I missed a lot of red flags, like all of the gatekeeping. I loved engaging with people and talking about stuff. Like, even though there was so much going on with like ship wars and once upon a time fandom, I still like for the most part really enjoyed it, but I could never talk about what I didn't like. Um, You know, there were, there were times that certain episodes or certain plots didn't really sit right with me. And I never felt like I could say anything about it. Like if I said something that was vaguely negative, somebody would be in my DMs or text me and be like, you can't say that here, go like what I posted. This is what, like, this is how you should be feeling about this for that entire period of time that I was in the once upon a time fandom, maybe 10% of what I actually said was my own, own thoughts, my own feelings. Like so much of it was either what was expected of me or what I felt like was expected of me, either like what I was being directed to, like, here's something to revlog, like, this is how we're feeling about this, or the pressure that I felt like I really had no idea who I was. And it was such a shame that it came at such a time when, like, I was in college, like, it was my first time really away from home. I was coming into myself as a person because I I had been homeschooled. I had not really had a lot of experience in the outside world. Like that was a period of time where so many of my opinions and feelings and values, beliefs were being shaped. And I had this really toxic environment that I was in. And like, I'm so thankful I got out of it when I did. And I'm so thankful that I evolved into a a decent person. (laughs) Try to be a good person. I try to be a better person um, than I was then. Um, But it was it was bad. Yeah, the culture of the Once Upon a Time fan, it was, it was very, very, it was a strange vibe. Uh, yeah, that, that had these expectations around the women, because it's mostly women, almost always in fandom. Well, the, the fanboys are another issue altogether, but in, in Once Upon a Time and in the fandom, it was mostly women. And then there was this, I, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it, this these expectations of the women in fandom or how the women in fandom related to each other um and what you had to do to be part of like the little uh groups within fandom and if like if you didn't follow these expectations and that's a thing like I know that happens in many fandoms but I felt like in once upon a time it was way more obvious the gatekeeping was like very at the beginning of the fandom and there are other fandoms like 
Star Wars, where maybe because the fandom is so big, um, the gatekeeping is not so general, like not as soon as you start in the fandom. And once upon a time, it's like two feet, a half a feet in the, in the fandom and people will be like, oh, but this is what we expect of you. And it's like, what? Could you elaborate a little bit more on that of like what kind of like gatekeeping specifically that you uh, saw in Once Upon a Time? I mean, I think it was everywhere. No matter what you ship, there were specific gatekeepers about specific things. Um, but you also had to like the things um, the majority like in the way they like them. Um, like you liked Captain Swan. I like Captain Swan. You have to like Captain Swan this way. Um, and that meant defending them this way and uh, agreeing with all the talking points. Like I, I almost felt at some point that someone sent a memo uh, with the talking points. Um, and it, 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 and if there were things like, if you like Captain Swan, you're going to like Snow and Charming because you had to choose why I, I'm perfectly capable of liking them both. They're also not opposing ships. Like they, they don't have like, it's not like a love triangle. It's like, these are the parents. Like I can like them both. Um, and then there were like factions within the, like, if you like Captain Swan, you can like Rum Bell. I, I don't, I've never understood. Like, I understand, like, if you like Captain Swan, you probably couldn't like Swan Queen because you needed Emma in both ships. But I never understood how that worked when there were ships that you didn't, it didn't involve the same character. Um, and I felt like that happened a lot in the Once Upon a Time fandom. I didn't get a memo or a handbook on how to be a fangirl online. None of us did. You were just thrown into the deep end and figured out the rules as you adhered to them. One thing I wish I would have been more prepared for was how to deal with online trolls. Once Upon a Time featured dragons and giants and dark ones, but the fandom's biggest enemy seemed to be the trolls found in all corners of the fandom. Every ship had their own corner of trolls attacking other actors, writers, and fangirls from opposing ships. It was more than a ship war. It was just hate. Once Upon a Time was a, it was big. Like it was, it was a big fandom thing with a lot of characters, a lot of ships, a lot of everything, a lot of passion from a lot of areas. So that was, maybe it was louder, but I always feel like to some extent, unless your fandom is, listen, I'm going to talk about the Americans for a second because that's what I do. Unless your fandom is the tiny shoebox that was the Americans fandom where nobody ever got on anybody about anything. I feel like to some extent, every show that I've ever written about has had that to some degree. It was just mm -hmm. the Once Upon a Time fandom was bigger and louder about it. You would have accounts dedicated solely to make threats or be super like, absolutely off base and rude and just nasty to actors or to producers or to specific accounts you have those people troll or whatever that would just make accounts that are I mean goodness gracious these are awful so we would get together like there's this account let's block them on twitter and I remember being on that like brigade a couple times where you have I mean people that are wasting their time just to bring another after person down. I remember when we were at the con, that Vancouver con, and I was tweeting the um, Colin and Jen panel, and I started to get some people like tweeting me like nasty messages because I was tweeting about Captain Swan. And I was just like, every time I got one, I was just like, block, delete, block, delete. Like it, it didn't impact me, but I know that there were some people who felt really impacted. Like every time they got a hurtful message, they took it really 
talk. When you come to the internet and people that really don't know you say awful things about you, and even if you think they are not true, that really makes you feel awful. Like, and it was very hard, I think, because, and I was like touched by the words and also like really mad that was like being, uh, being mad about that, you know, like I was trying to, no, this is not something that I, that I have to, to, you know, value or think that it's true, but I couldn't help it. I was just so sad when things like that happened. I think there was a part of the fandom who was, they were not very happy with the show, so they were mad and they were like really trying to, to you know, make things not nice for the ones that were enjoying. I think that was the thing. They were like, you know, frustrated and not enjoying the writing, the characters, and they were pissed and they were trying to make everyone hate it. So I think that was that too. So, mm -hmm. and I think it was, I, I don't really understand, you know, I was like, come on, move on. If it's not good for you, you're not feeling appreciated as a fan, just move on watch something else, not like trying to convince the writers to do the story based on your preference or trying to ruin for everyone else. So I don't understand until today, I don't understand what people were like spending their energy on that. I was like, I couldn't get it. I think something to keep in mind in all of this is that Once Upon a Time premiered during an innocent time in Twitter history. When the show debuted, many of the actors participated in Q&As, responded to fan tweets, shared fan art, and interacted with their co-stars online. It was fantastic. Over the course of the series, however, the actors' involvement online started to dwindle. The bigger the show got, the bigger the fandom got, and the more haters would dedicate their time to bringing them down. Eventually, many of them would stop tweeting altogether. And for fans, it became very personal to us. People would cross the lines and boundaries online as well. You would maybe have an actor who is upset because someone said something and they would voice it, you know, very rightfully. So like, hey, that's not good. And you would just be raging and just, you'd almost be upset for them. It's like, how dare you? Like, that's not what you do. And so you'd have bad days in that sense too, where if the actor is upset, you became upset automatically. It's very personal and you would take it that way. I remember we did like a hashtag call and smile or something like that because mm -hmm. people were just going at him for whatever reason it was. Something to do, it, was, it, was with the, it had nothing to do with him. It was Hook. Something Hook did in the, in the show. I don't remember. Um, and oh, we was it like, because of him and um, Bell? Was it him and? Oh yeah, a lot of the Rumbellers were going at him because something was. I don't know. This guy, I felt bad for him. Not that he was probably on Twitter that much, but anyway, we were saying like call and smile and all that kind of stuff. The stars were not the only ones receiving high levels of hate messages online. The writers and the showrunners would also face the wrath of the online fandom should an episode or storyline not go their way. 
I would see that a lot from from certain you know sections of the fandom, and I don't want to name it, but it was oh I it it made me sad for them because you know no no writer is perfect you know but I know that they're they're not trying to you know hurt they're not trying to hurt anyone they're not trying to write about uh, something bad or you know the show wasn't perfect but it was a really good show and they worked really hard and it was it made me sad sad and, and and angry sometimes to see such nasty insults thrown at them and accusatory things that weren't true or and you know when they were just trying to like promote what the show was instead of what people wanted it to be because you know they're they're not they're writing the show for for fans for people to enjoy but they're not going to cater to every single fans wants and desires and because they're all different you can't possibly please every single person you just, that's just impossible even just getting attention from the writers or the cast could land you in the line of fire for online hate here's manuela sharing how her online interactions with showrunner adam horowitz would often put a target on her back so for some reason uh you know adam <laughs> used to reply to me on Twitter. So I was like a familiar Heather, I don't know. He was always replying to me and I always obviously liked that because, you know, I went to ask questions about the show and, you know, and make demands. I think this is so awful that I, we were thinking that we could demand something from him. But that was something that I was not me. I was not the only one who was doing that. So a lot of people were like interacting with him. And I think this is a very, a very bad part of the Once Upon a Time fandom. I don't think that was really nice because it make people like really upset. I think there was nice things like we got scripts, we got some you know, tidbits and spoilers and, you know, but that really brought a lot of drama and a bad day on fandom was when the people were mad about the interaction they, they, the, the writers had with the, some parts of the fandom. Yeah, usually I was really hit hard. So in the beginning, I was really upset every time that happened. I, I used to block a lot of people that I was not like being nice to me. So usually I didn't like, conf I, I'm not a person who confronts a lot. So I would usually just block people. And, but you know, sometimes you got like the screen caps. Oh, people are saying that about you because you said that. And, there was like some, you know, notorious bad apples, as people <laughs> said. And they were like trying to find ways to really hurt you, you know, even when you block them, they were like making other accounts and mm -hmm. till they really knew that they were 
being seen by me and things like that. So it was, it was a, sometimes it was a little too much. It seemed like any joy you'd get from an interaction from anyone related to Once Upon a Time could be instantly snuffed out by online hate. Lizzie from Fangirlish shares her theory as to why she thinks that is. I think so much of that toxicity was uh, encouraged from the top, um, from the people behind the show. Because they were always, I'm not going to say straight up line, because show, like uh, writers and showrunners lie. Like, they're not required to tell you what's going to happen in this show. And you shouldn't expect them to be like, I, I always laugh when people are like, oh, but this isn't going to happen because the showrunner said it wouldn't. It's like, but if it were, do you think he was like, he could tell you? in an interview three months before the season comes out? No, that's not their job. So like, just take everything they say with a grain of salt. Um, but uh, it was a fun time. It almost felt like they were playing with the fans. That they were playing the fans against each other. And they would be like, uh, maybe Neil and Emma is a thing that's the, and then two seconds later, they'd be like, but captains won. And then they were just playing fans against each other. So fans took from that, that they should be fighting. Um, and they did it just one point two percent. Like, I, I've, uh, I've heard the argument that the show queer baited a lot. Um, I, I don't think I'm necessarily the person who can say yes or no, but I do think the create like the showrunners were like selling this. I like, I, I don't think you should be telling fans like, tune in and maybe it'll happen uh, when you're not planning on ever doing something. Um, because, yeah, that, that's kind of like, and then. I, we were in the age of fandom when they never really got in the trouble for it that maybe Jason Rothenberg got in the hundred for doing something similar. Like Jason Rothenberg is the devil uh, to a lot of fandom people. And I feel like the Once Upon a Time journalist uh, did exactly the same. Um, and maybe just they did it before and like no one like sort of realized that they were doing the exact same thing. Whether or not this was intentional from the showrunners is unknown, but there definitely was a damage caused by this type of teasing. A theory I have about why I think the online hate got out of hand was the entitlement there that just seemed to be from the fandom. Because all of these cast members and writers were online and interacting with us, it felt like they owed us something. The actors owed us more. The writers owed us answers to our questions. We were the audience and we wanted everything all at once. When everything happened after The Last Jedi, in particular with Brian mm -hmm. Johnson, Kelly Marie Tran, and we watched like these stars get bullied, none of that affected me the same way because I already experienced that on such a smaller scale, but a more mm -hmm. intense scale with Once Upon a Time. It was so much... Uh, more intimate because I felt like we all had such like almost un like unfettered access to everyone involved with Once Upon a Time. Do you think that because of the Twitter culture at the time where we as fans had so much access to the showrunners, the writers, and even at for a considerable amount of time, the cast as well, do you think that the fandom, because of that access, kind of grew, like, entitled? Yes. Uh, I mean, I think it started, the, the thing with Once Upon a Time is that 
it got bigger when the access on social media sort of got bigger as well. So fans sort of uh, started thinking that because the actors were there, they deserve an answer in like, um, and I also recognize that uh, some of the things I just criticized the showrunners about were things they probably didn't know how to handle. Like I've been saying for years that uh, most people on TV need like fandom consultants and they probably don't understand it, but they don't know how to handle fandoms. Like sometimes I'll see interviews and I was like, this is not like, you're just saying it wrong. You're going to get in trouble. Like, and it especially happens to me when I have screeners and I know what happens. And then I see them answer and I'm like, you're just going to get killed. Dude, that was, and I, I feel like I should call them up and be like, no, no, let me tell you how to answer this question or how a fan would want you to answer this question considering. Um, so yeah, and I, it was probably a bad time. They didn't know what they were doing. Um, but they also made a lot of mistakes. Like I'm not, I don't think they deserve the benefit of the doubt. And I, even though I've recognized that some of it is they didn't know what they were doing, but they were also playing or, or felt like they were playing the game of uh, keeping all fans interested. But fans don't want to be lied to. Fandom consultants might be something to invest in. Disney, call me. Jokes aside, there was this entitlement from the fans. But there also was this fandom hierarchy at work. Within the gatekeeping that was happening to be a real oncer, or a real Captain Swan shipper, to me, it looked like there were these levels of fans within the fandom. All of it centered on insider information. Knowledge is power, and the ones who had access to cast, crew members on set, or even the writers were lofted up as the real fans. Here is Maddie from Temple of Geek sharing her thoughts on this and how one of her friendships was affected by this. It was mostly elitism where people who went to conventions, um, you know, had this air about them that they were better than I was. Um, you know, I guess at, I don't know if this was true for all of the Once Upon a Time conventions and I think you've been to one or a couple um where you got to like sit at a table with an actor or actors or something um and so being told by this friend of mine that she got to sit with so and so and they were talking like friends and now they're friends on Facebook and how they know this person personally and I was like okay well that's good for you like that's awesome um but it became their whole personality mm -hmm. um and then when they were able to go to Canada often to see the recording of the show um the show became more important than our friendship mm -hmm. um so we would make plans to do something plans would be set they would cancel, you know, I'm going to go either watch the show on TV or impromptu trip. I'm traveling instead of coming to see you. Um, and so, you know, it, re it really sucked, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and to think someone was, was, was your friend, but a TV show took precedence over your friendship. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, 
I didn't, I didn't have the opportunity to go to conventions at the time this was happening. I had a baby and brand new baby mom. Like I can't travel to Canada. I can't, you know, drop everything that I'm doing to come hang out with you when you're ready. Like we have to make plans as someone with a newborn or a one-year-old, however old my, my son was. Um, so the, you know, the making the, the show more important than the people around you really started to turn me off from the show itself and the fandom as a whole. Where do you think that elitism comes from? What do you think drives that? And not even just like with Once Upon a Time, but just in fandom in general. Mm -hmm. I think it's this idea that you know better than other people. You have a bigger knowledge of the show, the actors, the characters. Um, You know, I've seen it in the Doctor Who fandom. I've seen it in the Star Wars fandom. I see it in the Marvel fandom. You know, you're not a real fan because you didn't read the comics. You're not a real fan because you haven't done character deep dives on this character that was on the show twice. Like you, you know, oh, you've never heard of this person? Well, then you're, obviously you don't know what you're talking about. You know, um, you know, I got to sit down and talk to the writer of the show. So I have more insight than you. Okay, that's great. I'm happy for you, but that doesn't make me any less of a fan. You know, someone who has only seen the Star Wars movies is not any less of a fan than someone who's read all of the comic books, the novels, the TV shows and everything. You're allowed to like things at your level. Um, And when you start to think that you know, you know, Maybe you do know more. I will admit, I know a lot more about Doctor Who than a lot of people, but I don't think I'm better than someone because I know a lot more. I will impart my knowledge. Let's talk about it. If you've only seen four episodes, let's get excited about those four episodes you watched. Like, that's awesome. You know, you've watched classic Who all, you know, you've been watching Doctor Who for 50 years. Let's talk about it because I don't know what happened in the 60s. Tell me more, you know? So the fact that people in the Once Upon a Time fandom, you know, would take this show, the fact that they, you know, got to meet the writers, got to meet the actors, got to have personal conversations with them, would take that as I am a bigger and better fan than you are. So your opinion and the things you're saying are not as important as as what I have to say. And that was the vibe that I got online a lot towards the end of my fandom participation. And it was a huge bummer. Another place you would see this type of elitism and entitlement would be from paparazzi pictures from set. Whether it was taken by professional paparazzo or just a fan on set, one picture had the power to set the fandom on fire. Gosh, there, I remember there were some stressful moments too, where you just say, be waiting for a behind the scenes picture or waiting for something to happen or whatever. And you just be stressed. I mean, here you are 
in your home, nothing's happening, but you're stressed because somewhere in Canada, they're doing something or these fictional characters are going into the underworld or who knows what they come up with. And um, I don't know, it's, it's really hard to step off that boat and just, okay, well, that was weird. It can, it can really ruin your, your real life day, mm -hmm. um, depending on the situation. So it's definitely melted into your real life. Anytime we would get a paparazzi photo, my anxiety would just spike mm -hmm. because I was like, here come the theories, here come all the things that are just going to start to ruin enjoyment. And that started mm -hmm. happening after. So anytime there weren't, it was a good time. We had that one situation where there was that hug picture. Yep. Mm -hmm. the, and everyone theorized about it. For, and it was, I think this released like two weeks before the episode or something. It was longer than a week and it was cut. Mm-hmm. And the backlash and the hate and just every negative thing that came after that, you were just like, this is why we should not have paparazzi photos. You would think we will learn after that because that was 3B premiere, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm not mistaken. But no, we went on until season six, still doing this with paparazzi photos. I think I have a theory about why that is and you know, y'all can agree or disagree on this. I think it became like a status thing. It was like a knowing that like, oh, I have this bit of information that is like going to mean something to you. And I could potentially have like power over you in that way. Like Lena and Marisa were part of the set visit crew, but they were never like paparazzi or like they were the fun people to be around. But like, there was a lot of that culture going on at set. And I just think part of it had to do with like, well, because I'm known now for this, like I have like status or at least like, that's how I keep interpreting it, especially with like paparazzi photos. Cause once you get that first picture, it's like, Ooh, this is something really special. And like what I can do with it, what you think of me now, because I have it is completely altered. There's a huge difference between teasing something and screaming, I know something, but I can't tell you. Like, mm. and that's just, I've never been able to understand that. And as somebody that does have privilege in and to have access to a lot of things and screeners, I would never go on social media and be like, I know something terrible is going to happen to one of these shows, but I can't tell you guys which show it is. Like, and it was that mentality that especially around later, people would just get on and be like, there's this thing that happened on set, but we can't talk about it. Then why are you tweeting about it? Mm -hmm. Like there's a difference in teasing. Oh my God, something amazing is coming. Prepare your souls. And there's something we can't talk about. And that was happening during, I hate that I remember this, but it was happening during the finale, uh, whichever finale it was where Emma stabs Hook. Bye, bae. Mm -hmm. And it was, and it was already such a bad time because the show kept teasing Dark Swan. And fun fact, I, I hate it when people tease about somebody going evil. Like, it's just, I don't know what happens to me. I'd rather not watch those trailers. Like it, the same thing happened with The Last Jedi. Like I get really nervous. Oh, for sure. So, <laughs> these like teases and stuff. I was just like, this is like too dark for me. Even though I knew deep down that like, that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. But like, psychologically, those teases would mess with me. 
And so I just, I've always hated that mentality. And that's what it was, Meredith. It's it, it was status. It was like, oh, we're the people that always are always going to have this information. And we're going to like loom it over your head basically. And it's like, that's, that's not how it's supposed to be. You, you don't, you don't do that. That contributed to the problem a lot. I will fully admit to it. Like it drove me bananas. I want to stress that not everyone from the local set crew was like this. In the last episode, I said that the Rizzo sisters, Lena and Marisa, were the exceptions, not the role. But even they couldn't escape the pressure and expectations that came along with being one of the regulars. I think we felt, I well, I don't know about you, but I felt kind of a lot of pressure um, being labeled now because we were in the fandom for so long, being labeled as the locals. Yeah. Where are the pictures? Where is this? Where is that? Like, and did you see this on that day? I don't like, Yeah, or like people like if we would, miss something. If we miss something. And we, again, I'm going to reiterate, we were very much, um, we went to school and we went to work. And, and I'm not saying those people who called in, didn't go to work or didn't go to school and went to set instead. Hey, if you want to do that you and do that's you. how you live your life, yeah. totally do it you guys are the reason that we have our pictures and we know what like what's going on. So I'm like, totally you do you. But then we started to feel this pressure mm-hmm. on jackpot day, actually. It yeah. Was, that was, yeah. You had to go and work. I had to go work and we were going to come back like way later. Yeah. But and we so, decided not to, cause we were, mm-hmm. we were like, that's kind of crazy, but we felt like if we didn't do this, people aren't going to like us. And we'd be missing do this, we, we'd miss it and all that stuff. And so um, when when we did the underworld or when they did the underworld stuff, we didn't have, we didn't go to set at all. Cause that was, that was during school. Yeah. And so uh, there's so many people who drove like, up. Why aren't to, you here? Why aren't you here? You guys should just come down. And they took a picture with the big clock tower thing. And, and there were some days where we would like melt down being like, we can't go. Cause we did this. And da, da, da. Like it was like hard. Cause we felt like people were relying on us one because there was a few people who were like we only come to your account to see stuff because you're not like toxic or whatever Mm -hmm. and then two other amazing set people who are locals were saying we're giving us this information because they were awesome and nice and like here this is what's happening and this is what's happening I always felt bad that we couldn't reciprocate anything because we were like couldn't do as much as the other locals yeah we couldn't do as much and like all that so like I think like for us personally we were going through that kind of because it's great when people recognize you and great when people come up to you then you feel that pressure then you're like oh and then I didn't want the the cast to recognize us or I didn't want yeah so we didn't want to go to set that often because we did see that most some of the regulars like the cast would start to know who they were and we're like we don't want that yeah and like some people wanted that and some people wanted and it was great and they loved it and for me I was like I don't want that I don't know what it was why I didn't I was just kind of like no I just I don't want that to happen and and all of that but it just I think we did that to ourselves like that's the thing is that like no one did that to us no we did that to ourselves choice, yeah. because we we worry about how people see us the pressure to be in the know the expectation to be a good representative of the fandom the amount of hate you'd be exposed to in a day whether it was towards you or someone else the internal battle to stay positive and not call out toxic behavior. It was a lot to juggle. Every area of the fandom was affected. Even my fellow writers couldn't escape that online hate after publishing our reviews. When I would write reviews, um, not everyone would like them. You know, if I didn't 
talk about this character enough, this character enough. I remember for the episode, The Apprentice, which focused on basically three characters. It focused on Hook and Emma and Rumpelstiltskin. And I talked a lot about Hook and Emma and Rumpelstiltskin. And someone complained that I was focusing too much on them. And I'm like, well, that was what the episode was about. I don't know what you want me to talk about. <laughs> and, you know, they were just sort of nasty and mean. And that's, that's not a fun feeling. You know, you have to take things like that in stride and stuff. And I mean, one time, one particular person was known for being like pretty horrible. And they told me to die. Like they just wrote die in a response to, to something I had done. And I blocked the person right away. I'm like, okay, you're, you're awful. And it, that didn't, uh, honestly, something like that doesn't bother me a little bit less because it's so extreme that you know that just they're just not in a, a good place personally. And you sort of just feel sorry for them that they, they would do that. That, um, and that's easy to, to block out. But when people like criticize something you've worked hard on, that's a little harder to take. But um, it didn't, ha luckily, it, it, it didn't happen that much. And I just learned to go, okay, it's fine. You know, everyone has different opinions and different favorites. Probably my worst fandom that came directed at me came at the hands of Brown Belchers. I don't, I, I, I wrote some really like harsh things about Rumble and Bell. Um, I called the relationship toxic, and I said um, after like Rumble took her her decision making ability for like the twentieth time. I was like, "This is toxic. This is a bad example." I don't know. I I I probably said so many harsh things, and every Rumble ship on Twitter came at me. Like I'm pretty sure they made accounts just to come at me. Um, and uh, it was. Like they will, it, it didn't even last a day. They were like three days afterwards. They were still like, can you just find something to do that isn't just responding to the same thing? Like you've already responded to this tweet 40 times. Like you should like at least find another tweet to respond. I don't know. Um, and they wouldn't stop. And then they, they sent um, messages uh, to, um, the site I was covering, other sites that I wrote for, they sent messages to my Twitter, they sent messages to my friends, they said they tracked down my boyfriend. And it was like, it was like people, like seriously. Um, and I still don't know how they tracked down my boyfriend because like I don't even tag him and he doesn't really use Twitter. So you know a lot of people have that that Twitter account that they created like 10 years ago that they used to log in and look at stuff, but never tweet they found him, like maybe I tagged him in something 10 years ago. And I was like, how much attention have you paid to me in this, in this thing that you found him? And so to send him uh, DMs talking shit about me, it was like, like I appreciate that, but I, like it's not worth it. Um, and all because they were mad that I, I, I would like to, now that you're saying that, I'm, I'm going to try to go find whatever review I did, because I remember it was, I was very harsh, and I remember sort of like, you know, when you write something, you're like, yeah, this is going to get me in trouble, and then I was like, you know what, it, need, it, just, it needs to be said, like, in a way, like, it's not like Rumbelt, like, I didn't even feel bad about saying that 
Rumpel was abusive uh, because like I said that um but um they did did really didn't agree with me I had a couple of rough people who would drop by the nerdy girl notes comment section I got called I got called some pretty nasty names by a a guy one of them was definitely a guy don't know about the other person but I got called a rape apologist I got called like you name a word that a woman could be called I ended up editing the comment for language because I was like this I don't want this someone to come here like I had teenagers who were reading NGN and would talk to me about it like who were like you know 13 14 like good baby fangirls like come here let me teach you about this but don't read this part but like I wanted to leave it up I can't even remember which it was towards the end of season three and oh wow it, it was one of those it was somebody who was not happy with the Emma and Hook storyline going the way Emma and Hook storyline did they were a very big Neil fan and they were not a fan of what was happening <laughs> um and I just remember being like do I delete this comment entirely because I don't want this here but also at the same time I was like no I'm gonna leave a very like pointed response to you and I'm gonna leave this up here and then I was very lucky like I had an awesome community of commenters who would then basically just yell at somebody for me like if that happened like I was like oh people have my back this is fine I don't have to deal with this but that happened once I had a couple people who would literally just come almost every week by the time I got to like season five to start fights about my various interpretations of Emma versus Regina. Um, I had, there was a point when I felt really good about the fact that I had a few Swan Queen shippers who would read my stuff. And I was like, oh, this is, you know, this is fine. Like we can all engage with different aspects of the fandom. Like, this is great that you like the, you know, my interpretation of Regina, even though you don't, you know, necessarily ship the same things as me like I'm a big ship and let ship person most of the time like this is fine but then when that particular ship war got nasty I have had people that sent me emails that would say things like you need to make a statement on behalf of the Captain Swan fandom to tell them to stop picking on us and I would say no that's not my job and then then the nasty names would start again and the all of that would start again and it was like I can only do so much so there was definitely a fair amount of toxicity that I experienced personally from it for a time every time I logged on to Twitter there would be another round of drama a hateful response to a review seeing my friend really struggling to deal with it. As you've heard, the online hate would get personal and really creepy. Like Lizzie mentioned, online trolls can stalk you online and find out all sorts of information about you. The stalking didn't stop there. Whether you were the main star on this series about fairy tales or just a regular fangirl, you could be stalked in the real world. 
we heard this story, I think for Jen, it was for Jen Morrison, where like a fan like jumped into one of her vans. Yeah. Like, and this is why she was like very like cautious, cautious to meet fans. And I was like, well, no freaking kidding. Up until recently, and I don't want to jinx myself, I had stalkers. Um, like, I don't know if they're still out there. I have not looked in like four years. I don't want to know if they're still talking about me. They can do that, whatever. That's their prerogative. But there was like groups of people who were obsessed with me because I was a loud mouth and kind of a bitch. Um, for a very long time, I used to like take whatever they were saying about me and like make it my bio on Tumblr because like that's what you did on Tumblr when you were being like petty and catty. So it, it fueled the obsession, I'm sure. Um, but like I had a few credible threats from people um, against my life. Um, there were a few people who, when I was on set, um, when I was in Vancouver, were like, they came to set to take pictures of me. Um, like the security guards were aware of the situation. Um, people on set were aware of threats that were being made against me. Uh, it was a whole thing, um, which is like so weird to think about, like over a TV show about fairy tale characters. Obsession, entitlement, attention-seeking. All of it fueled this curse of toxicity we dealt with day in and day out. Our identities were wrapped around this series and everything ancillary to it. And when that is our only lens to our personal happiness, it can be a dark place. We try to rely on each other in healthy and unhealthy ways. Here's Laura sharing about a traumatic experience she had with another fan. I remember this one fan that was like talking, say I post something really irrelevant once upon a time, once upon a time day, happy Sunday, whatever. And they would message something like, I'm feeling really sad. I hate this. I'm going to do something awful to myself and then just log off. For example, something that crazy. And you're, I remember this freaking me out and trying to reach out to them and oh my gosh I'm over here thinking something terrible happened to this person that I don't know that's another place in the country and turns out they're just wanting attention they're oh no I'm fine lol something so a lot of things um, are weird especially with social media I don't want to make light of this I don't know this fan or her situation Contemplating suicide is no joke, and it's not something to insinuate for the sake of attention. Also, not everyone who reaches out about potential self-harm is just attention-seeking. We all need support for the battles that we face. If you struggle with thoughts of self-harm, please reach out to a trusted friend and or a professional. You are not alone I want to take a second here to just pause from the heaviness of this episode. This has been a lot, but I also don't want you, the listener, to walk away from this episode thinking that every fangirl from the Once Upon a Time fandom was this toxic or had this toxic of an experience. I mean, remember, the past two episodes, I talked about the joy of finding this fandom and going to conventions and all the fun things that happen. It's just all of this was also mixed in there too. We all had our brushes with online hate, but not everyone walked away battered and bruised from once upon a time. Yeah, I was, I would say I'm a little luckier than most, 
because, um, and this was a decision that I made, not really knowing what I was getting myself into, but it ended up helping me down the road because I was very picky about who I followed. I didn't have a lot of, I would say that in my feed per se, not that you wouldn't get it. It was so easy to find, but like I said, if you thought different, if you posted different things, if you showed a little bit of I didn't follow a lot of people, but I did have some followers who maybe didn't agree with me or whatever. I tried to be unbiased in terms of the umbrella of fandom. I definitely had a bias. It was very easy to see. And sometimes you'd have people that would get upset or like, why do you only post about this couple? And because I want to, it's my page. Goodness gracious. <laughs> um, so definitely a few um, rude comments here and there. Like I said, I, I was very good at not engaging when I didn't want to. If I did, I'd be very like, it's okay. It's my page, relax. I'll put, a, put like a funny meme, like, a, like questioning, you know, one of those spaces you're like, what's, what's what are you doing? And move on. Um, but yeah, there was definitely, I think in my personal experience, I didn't experience a lot. I feel like all of us were like not particularly in the toxicity and, and actually the opposite. Like I remember all of us actively doing things to try to combat the toxicity. Like a lot of my tweets now when they come up on my on my time hop and I see them is a lot I can see a lot of me like going to people and being like hey don't listen to them like you're a shining star you're a great person like just you know keep keep being you and I, like I remember that I remember that I would sometimes come on because I sometimes used to have like long breaks I could work like 12 hours or whatever and then I'd go online and I'd see people being like oh I can't believe that happened to you blah blah, blah. and I'd have missed whatever happened and I just remember being like do you know what it doesn't matter what happened whoever you are like you're a great person like don't don't let anybody dull your sparkle and I think there were a few people that we were like friendly with and interacted with regularly who used to feel some of that more than others like just somehow used to get more tied up in it like we had a good group of people that were never toxic that was never drama that was just jokes and it, yeah. if like you said if we didn't agree on a plot point we didn't agree on a plot point who cares we were yeah. all in it because we because we loved the show yeah. um and like dms became a really safe space for that as well like uh, kind of like later on like particularly in season six i remember i used to spend at least as much time chatting in various groups in my dms as i did like actually on my twitter timeline i didn't see very much toxic stuff but i do remember something happening i can't remember what it was and I, I, I remember saying to everyone, guys, all of us are in the like top 1% of fans of this show. The reason that you're all so angry with each other for your differing opinions is because you all love the same show so much. There are millions of people watching this show who, who don't get this involved in the conversation. So like you have much more in common than you have not in common with each other. Yeah. Exactly. That's the thing. I think it was, I think us in particular, um, all of us in this talk right now, um, tried to avoid the toxicity as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why we're still close today because we all have the same type of values in that if something happened, we kind of just took a step back. It was not always easy to fight the negativity that fandom would bring, especially during hiatus where there was nothing going on and it's really easy to start drama over absolutely nothing. But for a few of us, we tried to find ways to bring light to this dark time. We did the OUAT thank you thing, which I think was like maybe between yeah. five and six, like maybe in that hiatus of like, come on guys, like let's remember what, like all the good stuff. Let's remember why we're all here, like what unites all of us. And that was really amazing. Like just being able to like all 
like throw out as much positivity as we could to combat any negativity. I remember. So doing that OUAT thank you was to show them as well as all of us that, hey, we still remember, there's still a core of us that like are here for- We appreciate you and we love the show and like we're we're here for, we're here for the good stuff. But yeah, I, I feel like certain, I feel like there were people who were involved in it and they were fine to be involved in it. Then there were a few people who seemed to like get dragged into toxicity, even though they weren't. And we'd always be like pulling them back to the light. It would make me so happy that we could spread joy around the fandom to combat the toxicity. However, after multiple years of 22 episode seasons and just so much time spent online, maybe I was getting old or growing up, but I was getting worn out by the Once Upon a Time fandom. I think the show got bigger. The fandom got bigger. It got to a point where I was like, where we're getting to that point in TV where writers feel like they have to constantly give couples drama in order for things to be good. And I'm just that person that's like, let them be happy and do things together. They don't always have to have some big issue. How many times are we going to take out Hook's heart from his chest? Like, I understood that this was a drama, but it got to the point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. And that was also when I was starting to really feel drained by 22 episodes because we were just, we were getting Netflix. We were getting some mini series. We were getting shows that were at 13, 10, eight. And so I grew to really appreciate that and the lack of filler episodes that I was getting drained by how many episodes there were, all the writing we were doing. And like, we we weren't writing 500 word reviews. We were all writing like 3000 plus words. It was getting exhausting. And so part of it was that, part of it was the fandom. Another part was the filler episodes. It just got to a point where I was not that excited anymore. Um. And then it's slow. There were moments of highs and then there were moments of lows, but it was just like there, it wasn't a steady excitement. Like it was from season three, where it was just like, Oh my God, next week. It was just like, okay, another episode next week. Like it, it started to feel like a job mm-hmm. as opposed to something I loved doing. And that was also starting to really affect my mental health as well. I think often about the fact that I think if this show came out now, I think it would be a limited series. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. And if I it was think, 10 episodes, 13, genius. And I think it'd be so good because mm-hmm. when you think about the A and B storylines that they started mm-hmm. doing, like the one half was always so much better than the other yeah. every season. And you think about it now and go like, oh, you were really trying to make a limited series like or you were trying to do like shortened episode seasons like that's what you were trying to do but you had to fill your you know full 22 episode slot when like you only had the story that you wanted that fit this much space Mm -hmm. so I think like god if it was on Netflix now and they you know were able to do what they wanted to do with it in a shorter amount of time like I go like wow what could they have done Who knows what could have been if Once Upon a Time was made for streaming instead of broadcast. What we do know is that in 2017, after six seasons, over 100 hours of TV, the magic had worn off and things were about to change. When we found out a bunch of the actors weren't returning for for the last season and that they were going to 
continue on. And I'm like, how can you do that? The, those days that we found out that wasn't wasn't very good. I, I wasn't very happy with that because it was sad, you know, thinking about the show without Emma or Snow and Charmaine or Belle. And even though they were in the last season for a few episodes, it just wasn't the same. So, um, yeah, th those days weren't weren't happy for, for me. I think yeah. I think the whole fandom actually has has this day as one of the bad days. One of the bad days was the day after the musical episode when Jen had to say that she did not sign on for season seven. But the news already um, broke that broke there it. was going to be a season seven, and that and I felt bad because Jen actually said. I'm telling you this now because they're going to report on it later or yeah. some, something like that was happening. And it was so sad because it was right after the musical episode. And then right after they announced that it was Josh and Jenny weren't going to come back. And then it was just, it just kept on going and going. It yeah, was that was, and I felt annoyed just because I was like, we can't even enjoy the musical episode. Like for like, like a like, week at least. We were on such a high like that weekend. Yeah. We were just so excited. Like it was the, like I'm at hook wedding and just seeing everyone singing. And like, it felt like a, like Disney movie just watching that like episode. Aww. And then right that next morning was all of the um, reports that these people weren't returning for the next season. Yeah, that was so, oh my gosh, I just remembered the Emma and Hook wedding. Yeah. Babe, I know you're listening. We're playing Once Upon a Time. Y'all, we're playing Happy Beginning at my wedding. I'm just saying. Yes! yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think probably listening and he's like, what? Babe, I will let you listen to the song. <laughs> it will happen. Don't worry, Kelly. It will happen. But yeah, that, that, that was like a standout bad day. With this bombshell announcement of multiple main cast members leaving, and a new season without them, the fandom was at a crossroads. Would we stay or would we leave? There were a few who stuck around. For me and many others, I was looking for an out and here it was. I said goodbye to Once Upon a Time. Just my personal um, experience with that was, I felt like the show for me was over. I was over it um, when like I mentioned earlier before, I was kind of passionately myself, my passion for the show, which started the journey, it just wasn't there anymore. I was kind of just doing it for the account for posting like my job. When it starts to feel like a job, you know, jobs can be kind of annoying and tedious. And I'm like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna work with no pay anymore. So um, for me at the end of season six, which is when our main cast that we followed throughout well, shoot, so long is kind of closed for me, kind of closed as well. So like the, the, the wedding and stuff or whatever was the finale of season six and then the new looming curse or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt like that wrapped up the series nicely for me. And then when I found out that like half of the cast wasn't coming back for season seven, I was like, mm, I'm not interested I was already, you know, jaded from being burned by the fandom. I was like, I have zero interest in this final season, like none whatsoever. I don't regret not watching it. When season six ended, I said, this is my time. I'm not gonna cover the seventh season, no matter what it is. 
Um, then I watched the, the screener for the first episode of season seven and I said I was right. I don't want to watch this show. Um, I don't care about this show. Um, and um, I stuck to my guns so much that I still haven't watched the ending. I watched the end scene, not the final episode, the scene at the end. Um, and I just, that's it. I don't even know what happened to Henry, how he was like his family, I don't know. And I'm very happy without that knowledge. It's like, I don't need it in my life. I want to say by like five, I was tuned out of it. If I'm being perfectly honest, when are you going to end? <laughs> and then, yeah, that, so I did go until season, end of season six, when Jennifer Morrison, Jennifer Goodwin and Josh Dallas left. And I was like, that's it. That's my cue. I'm gone. <laughs> and yeah, I didn't watch any of season seven at all at that point. It had been waning for about two seasons in terms of like my level of interest in it. The fact that by the time we got to season six, I wasn't posting every week. I don't think, I think, like I said, there were a few weeks that I had missed. Um, but it felt like the right time both for the show, like it sort of gave us like, it was kind of like the stopping point where you could, you know, go like, okay, like this is the door to sort of leave if I want to. Um, but I also think, I mean, for me personally, like right around that time I had gotten a new position at work, which involved more writing and things like that. And it was just a good time for me to be like, okay, this is when I can start stepping away and oh, it matches up perfectly with like, the cast themselves stepping away it gave it a little bit more of a feeling of like finality even if the show itself did not end you could say like this chapter of it did like this chapter of my involvement with it is ending and it it felt good to sort of draw the line there my goodbye with the series and the fandom felt like it came to a natural conclusion I stopped writing reviews, I wrote a final blog post, and I let the Twitter account just fade into oblivion. For Maggie from Your Money Geek, it was a breakup. I I stayed until 2017. Um, it felt like a breakup with a, an abusive boyfriend, basically. Um, I had kind of fallen in with what I could only assume to be the mean girls of Tumblr. I mean, I'll be brutally honest here. They were. Uh, and I think a lot of the reason why I stayed was fear of what would happen and what would be said if I left, mm-hmm. um, which is like really complicated to think about in hindsight. I just, I was young. I mean, I was, I was homeschooled. <laughs> And so like, even though I was like in my early twenties, I was still in a lot of ways stunted when it came to friendships and relationships like that, because I didn't have a lot of real world experience with navigating toxicity and manipulation and a lot of these things that I was unaware of until I looked back at it and I was like, oh my God. Um, And I wish I had left sooner. I like really wish I had left sooner because um, I stopped enjoying Once Upon a Time right when Frozen happened. I liked like the first few episodes and I loved, I love the actors that they cast for the Frozen cast, like no ill will to them. Um, I still love seeing Elizabeth Lale pop up in things and Georgie is like just the sweetest. Um, and yeah, I, that was when I wish I had left. 
Um, but I weathered it until um, the, what I call the finale, which was the musical episode. Um, and then I was, I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't even like stomach uh, hearing the words once upon a time. I muted the words on everything. I unfollowed everyone, even people I considered friends because I just couldn't, couldn't stomach seeing anything positive or negative about Once Upon a Time. I even went on YouTube and I unliked every video I had ever liked, removed every video I had ever watched my watch list. I like hid posts and deleted things. And I, I it's a miracle that my fix are still up because I was so tempted to just delete them. But like, part of that mean girl group had made me delete fix that I had had for other ships that weren't Captain Swan. And so I was still so tender about the idea of losing something I had written that I was like, I'm not going to do that to myself. I'm not going to like re-victimize myself. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a toxic relationship basically with fandom. You stopped watching after the musical episode um, which I know the following episode was like the full finale. So mm-hmm. you didn't even watch the season six finale. So I did technically watch it, but I was blackout drunk and I never revisited it. I mean, like that was, that was where I realized like, this is getting really unhealthy. Like I finished a half a bottle of rum in the lead up to that episode because I couldn't physically do it because I knew I was leaving. Like, I think that there was such an emotional stake because so much of my life had revolved around talking about about this show and engaging with a fandom that like sucked the life out of me um, that I, I, I don't remember that episode. I could not tell you what happened in that episode. I think I posted a sappy Facebook post and then like drank myself to oblivion that night. And I called two of my friends like blackout drunk and like <laughs> not my highest day, but I was like barfing and I was like on the phone with them. And I was like sobbing my eyes out. And I was like, this is when I knew like I can never let fandom get this way ever again it's weird to look back on that because I I have done a lot of soul searching in that time since my breakup with once upon a time and just like actively trying to be a better person um, and, and trying to shelter friends of mine that I see kind of going that way um, and being like, you can't, you cannot let fandom consume your life. You cannot spend all of your time caring what people who don't like your ship think about your ship or think about you. Um, I see it in the Marvel fandom. I see it in the Star Wars fandom. And I'm like, you cannot spend every day actively seeking out toxic people. You just have to just stay in your lane, enjoy what you enjoy. Like, don't take it so seriously because it is fiction. It is not real. Like it, it will end one day and then you will be left laying on the floor crying on the phone. <laughs> and it's not pretty. <laughs> Whether it was a breakup or a mutual uncoupling, many Wantsers said their goodbyes to the series in May 2017. And none of us walked away without being changed by our time with the fandom. For me, it came with a period of trying to forget, looking ahead to what was coming, focusing on my job, and moving on from what was. However, there was just too much that I couldn't forget like all the memories that I had made, the lessons that I had learned, and yes, the friends I made along the way. Coming up in the final part of this mini-series, I explore the outside reception to the Once Upon a Time fandom. 
What exactly did everyone else think of us? Plus, an anniversary is celebrated and a life remembered. Join me next time as I drive out of Storybrooke in the yellow bug. As always, you can follow me at Meredith Loftus on Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Fangirl Forum Pod. If you like this podcast at all, please give it some love on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic day.